This is Gutterball. The Lebowski Deepcast. Like, oh, it's a heist movie. No, it's a stoner movie. In each episode, Brad and Adam discuss a single minute of The Big Lebowski. They were teasing this movie in a way that made it seem like a heist. Providing insight. His dance is just excellent. So graceful. Commentary. They shot it all on a green screen. You can't do a pickup. And conjecture. He has found himself in a world turned upside down. And now, Gutterball. It's <laughs> a little off. That's all right. It's all right. I feel the energy. I feel that energy, Brad. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, bring it, channel it up here. I know the look on your face when you just made that hand clap. Yep. I could, I could tell it was a hand clap that meant something, Brad. It meant something. You and you know what it means to mean something. <clears throat> There's a cuttlefish. I sent you the cuttlefish. Let's just start it that way. I don't know that I even want to know about this <laughs> cuttlefish business. Hey, I'm eating some chicken. I hope that's okay. Oh, that's totally fine. You know, all all in service of the art. I roasted a chicken and some uh, Brussels sprouts, tiny cabbages. That's what they look like. Yeah, I like and me some uh, Brussels sprouts. What do you mix in with those Brussels sprouts? Not much. Little olive oil, salt, pepper, man. Roast them up. Yep. Yeah, that's that's one way that I uh, try it I out. Lied. I lied. I dribbled a little lemon juice on it just to finish it. Yeah. Lately, I've been doing this new thing where I mix some soy sauce and uh, uh, chili oil. Yeah, go the ultra... Like, savory route. It's good. You could do a little Parmesan on there, you know? Give it just a little bit of that uh, tangy high note, but the unctuousness of the cheese. You could do that, too. They work with everything. They're great. A little sriracha on there if you want a little uh, spicy adventure. I hate this I, cuttlefish. I actually have a little Blair's Pure Death. Blair's Original Death that I'm dunking them in. Oh, you, you don't like that. No, I don't like it one bit. <laughs> See, I'm trying to step up my game because, you know, it seems like you spend the majority <laughs> of your time in life scouring the darkest corners of the Internet. I just and you're probably surrounded by people who do very similar things. So to you, it doesn't seem that out of the ordinary to send me, you know, a picture of a skinny brown man tanning himself with whatever on his eyes, like <laughs> grinning like a, like a maniac, <laughs> and, you know, leaving people to wonder if it is, in fact, Chevy Chase or not. That probably is just right in the wheelhouse there for that, the, the world that you live in. But not here's the crazy part of it, Brad. Not all of us live in that world. So when that shit right, comes right. to light, you know, it's a little surprising. So I'm glad I was able to find one thing that could surprise you. Yeah, that wasn't any good. So thank <laughs> I thank you for that. You're welcome. I've been trying to step up my game, so I hope it's working. You got it, Poochie baby. <laughs> All right, Nosley Wilsons. I mean... I'm looking back through these texts. I had a shit ton in a row where I was sending you, like, I was firing pearls at you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What is this, today? Nah. 
like weeks past. Not weeks past, like yesterday, day before. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the quotes. Yeah. Our our our, our uh, extended. It started with Lebowski's and then moved into other other realms. We were genre naturally. hoppers. I like that. We were, we were genre hoppers, Brad. We were. I really liked it. Us and Joel and Ethan. Mm-hmm. Cut from the same cloth. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. The cloth that ties the room together. You know what else ties the room together? I don't. As a matter of fact, it's rugs all the way down. Tars. Ah, shit. Tars ties the universe quite literally together, Brad. Yep, I got to meet him. Oh, I am so fucking jealous of that. He's fucking crazy. Now, he was not... I don't even know how to term it. Like, he he wasn't... He wasn't animate. At all. Well, he, he wasn't. So Video screens? Did he have the screens The screens on? weren't even on. Okay, see, they could have put the screens on. I did wonder... Yeah, yeah, no, they could have done that. You're right. Well, And they could have taken a little snapshot of your face and then reverse engineered your aging so that, like, you as, like, a 10-year-old would come up and talk to yourself and be really mad at yourself for leaving. That would have been cool. That would have been cool, too. But... I had to settle for an Oculus Rift VR tour of the Endeavor. Right. Which you called the Endurance, I think. Did I call it that? Yeah, I think so. Maybe that's what it was called. Wait, what's the name of the ship? Isn't it the Endeavor? Yeah, I think you're right. You called it the thing that it's not called. Yeah, okay. But I I was right along with it. I was like, yeah, oh, that's how I didn't. Endurance, Endeavor. So close. Yeah, well, I think... The, um, then I googled, though, Oculus Rift Endeavor or Endurance. Honestly, I don't remember what it's called now. And the other the thing endurance. came up. Endurance. Yeah. And it's weird I would have got that wrong, although maybe... That because is weird. Because well, in this experience... That. So there's, again, people, right, that are there to help you, like you're standing in line, and they're there to like, okay, now it's your turn, go sit in the chairs, you're going to get whatever, right? And they're just wearing like their shirts have like the little a little logo on the side, like a little endurance logo, like the little uh, ringed pod, and it says like endurance underneath. Right. And that's where you I did... was picking up on like, oh, okay, then that's right. The name of the ship is the endurance. I remember now. Yeah, you did say endeavor. Okay. Yeah. But... No, it's the endurance. Right. The endurance. And uh, I like endeavor better. I think. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, Endeavor is good. Endurance is probably a little more apropos. Is it? I think Endeavor, it's like an amazing Endeavor yeah, that they're on. Yeah, that's true of probably any kind of space mission. Whereas this is the Endurance. This is like the Endurance of the human population. Oh, uh, okay. I was going to say Endurance, like, they do cheat and go through a wormhole, so it's like... Right, they don't have to you know, endure. He's not out there they, that long. How long is McConaughey out there, really? Waking hours. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know the answer like to that. Like seven, you know? Well, because even when time Less than isn't a day. screwed up, he's in suspended animation. Right. They're sleeping. It's, it's like seven hours I mean, it still takes them months to go from like one planet to another. He's not aware of it. But he's not aware of it. He doesn't have... It's not really an endurance issue for him. It's a really short, like, 
French workday is probably what he put in. Now, it was an intense French workday, but it was like six or seven hours. Yeah. It's like a half shift. He stopped for lunch in the middle. (laughs) Right. He went on a, you know, hour and a half, two hour long liquid lunch with Romilly and Brand. And it's like, Romilly, get out of here. I'm trying to do something. Tars.sexy. Yeah, that was a domain that I bought and then sold. Good. I hope you made some ROI on that. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Good. 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 I'm glad. Enough to fund another couple downloads of this podcast on the yeah on our domain. Probably it'll support another episode. All right. Well, we got at least one left then. Is it counting this one? Um, Or counting this one? Have you already paid for this one? Well, yeah, I guess I have. So, yeah, we have enough for, like, one more episode. Enough cash in the all, bank. That's all we need, I think. You know? We're probably well, good. We go one, we go episode to episode. Yeah. It, that would be pretty hardcore. It would. Like, if there's, like, it 118 would. episodes we've decided. Yes, that's true. If, like, we just, like, stopped at, like, 116. Yeah, we'd still be in the credits at that point, though. So would that be the hardest core thing we could do? Like what? Yeah, is probably not. Made out of iron. Yeah. Stop right before we get to Donnie's funeral. Yeah, that'd be harder. Be like, yeah, we don't need to talk about us anymore. I usually don't watch past this point in the movie. So, <laughs> right at this There's point, like a I commercial. usually just turn it off. There's like, a, yeah, I've only ever it's... watched this on TBS, and usually at this <laughs> right. point, like, it's too late, and I just fall asleep so it's late and it's like this movie doesn't make any sense Eh, fuck it you know it's 10 it's like 10 43 gotta work in the morning let's go to bed early for once boom shut it down yeah that'd be way harder harder core our core would be unassailable now you mentioned tars i did in the the VR of the endeavor, the endeavor, no, endurance, the endeavorance, the endeavorance, the endeavorance. It's like uh, a Burt Reynolds vehicle. But is that all that happened? You were yeah, away from much. home for a while. That's it. That it's was just, you saw like tars. That was the high point. So <laughs> I feel like there's not much else to to really mention. Well, that's, see, that's nice. You had corporate sponsorship to go down and meet TARS and take a virtual exactly. reality tour exactly. of a fictitious ship that was in a movie. Yep. Great use of resources. Yep. It was like a week-long trip. <laughs> um, did you have any barbecue, at least? I did. What'd you have? And I really hope there? Laura is listening right now. Okay. To know... That I ate at the Grand Ironworks Barbecue. What makes it so grand? Well, apparently, it's like the worst barbecue you can get around there. So people say. (laughs) But it's the one closest to where everything's happening. So it's like, I'm not going to get in a cab and like, try one, try to get a cab at South By. And then also take a, you know, 40 minute ride somewhere to like get some barbecue. Like, I'd end up missing out on meeting TARS or God knows what. (laughs) 
I'm sorry, I'm eating a Brussels sprout. That's all right. You eat that Brussels sprout. You eat it. You eat it that. You eat that. But but did you I'm I'm not eating at it. It's literally in my mouth. I got much closer than that. But did you go see Towers every day? You were there for more than one day. Yeah. No, I just saw saw him. You once. couldn't take I a little him. time to go around the city a little bit? Well, you know, I mean, sure. I there were there was other things that went went down. There were other things to be seen and experienced. Okay. But like uh, what? That's really what I'm asking. Like what? Well, you know, there's some uh you know, cool kind of experiences, different uh you know, interesting uh get togethers with like minded souls in the evenings, uh, during the day. Um you know, people Big people, little people, all sorts of people. There's things. Brown, there's things. Brown paper, there's white things, papers. You know, stick it together with the tape of love. Yeah, I did mm-hmm. get to hear Al Gore talk about the planet. It was a bit. Yeah, I've a, seen him bit, do that on television. Bit disturbing. Has he made it more disturbing since an inconvenient truth? Did he add more? Yes. So this was kind of like the follow up where he's like, here's all the stuff I said would happen in inconvenient truth. And all the people laughed at me. But look, here's like the video of this all actually having happened. And we're actually way worse off. So see ya. I'm out of here. And then he like flips this switch and like this jet pack comes out of the back of his suit coat. And he like flies away up into the sky, presumably to another planet. Like fucking Nixon. Nixon did that? Yeah. yeah he, he stole that from Nixon. Yeah, like a jetpack? Came right out of his, his thing? fucking trench coat. Then he flew away and said, I'm out. Was it a jetpack or was it like he had like a little helicopter? It may have been a helicopter, See, but whatever. The, yeah. He flew up into the air. Just like, I quit. Because I'm going to get it fired anyway, so I'm going to quit before you can fire me. Bye. That's a good maneuver, though. It's a crowd pleaser, Brad. It's a crowd pleaser until everyone realizes we're left behind to roast (laughs) to death on this dead rock. Thanks, Dad, (laughs) for trying to save the universe and leaving me here. Yeah. I mean, in seriousness, he didn't, I mean, so, you know, watching his presentation, two-thirds of the way through, I was pretty much ready to... To slip my wrists. It was just like, this is hopeless. I just hope I just somehow maybe die in the next 20 years so I don't have to live through the <laughs> coming environmental apocalypse that we're already in the beginnings of. But uh, the but, AI will save us. Yeah, maybe. But then in the last third, it kind of changed to hope, a little bit of hopefulness. And look, we didn't make a lot of progress in trying to stop this down. We're further in that than we thought we would. Well, how about, did you see that Costa Rica has only used renewable energy sources this year? They have not used any fossil fuels to power their entire country. Granted, only 4.8 million people, but their entire country Mm -hmm. has all been renewable energy. Solar, hydroelectric, geothermal. But, you know, they got volcanoes and mountains and rivers all over the fucking place. But they also know, like, they're in Costa Rica. They're like, this island just won't be here soon. (laughs) Like, it's much more dire for them, right? They're spurned on to act. Whereas here in the East Coast of the United States... 
perhaps the most politically for better or for worse, right? I mean, it's the most politically important place, home of Washington, D.C. and New York and everything. Like, we've had record lows. I know, it's fucking maddening. Like, there's that image going around on Twitter that says, here's the temperature map of the world for this year, you know, and showing how far we are off of, like, the averages in the 20th century. And it's just like, oh, the entire planet is deep, bright red, except for this little sliver that is the East Coast of the United States. And it's, like, solid, like, deep, deep blue. And you gotta think... You gotta think it's related to the Gulf Stream and the imminent shutdown of that ocean current and what that's gonna yeah, do. I have no I, I have no clue on that. One, Don't but... even look into it because it's yeah. fucking depressing. Yeah. It's awful. And once that shuts down, then things really start to ramp up. Mm-hmm. It's bad news. I sent you a link there. You can decide if you wanna Well it, Oh, it looked, it's the same it's, link, you I'm sent sorry. Me the cuttlefish again. Yes. My bad. My bad for that. I'm really, I know you don't want to look at it again. That wasn't my intention. There, you can look at that. But we don't have to discuss it. Because, I mean, I actually have some links and some things. I mean, I could talk about climate change all day, all night. I feel like the way climate change is so politicized in this country... I'm almost, I don't want to say afraid. I'm not afraid to talk. I, I am afraid to talk about it. I'm not afraid in the sense like, oh, I don't want to acknowledge that it's real. But I feel like any kind of point you try to make, like look at this fact or figure, I feel like if it if I have not like triple checked to make sure I understand it perfectly, then it's like, oh, people are just going to say, see, climate change isn't real because this guy didn't know what he was talking about. I feel this over responsibility about getting it all right that then in turn (laughs) like petrifies me from talking about it. So you don't want to damage its reputation, basically. Kind of. I just maybe, you know, it's in my own head, right? I'm imagining this like increasingly hostile audience out there just ready. I mean, I believe that's true, right? You know, but there is a hostile environment for it, but. Not as hostile as this environment's going to get. How'd you like that? Yep. I mean, it's real. It's whatever. Whether the things are all going to happen, like people say they're going to happen. You can't know that, you know, that that part is conjecture. But you can't deny that there's change. One of the things, uh, one of the little slides I saw was... um, and it's interesting because on this podcast, not too long ago, we were talking about how cold it is up north and these far reaches of Alaska. And um, there was this picture of this beach on Alaska, uh, in the north of Alaska. Near Barrow. Where Where is Anchorage, anyway? Anchorage is way down there. It's the balmy part of Alaska. The balmy part, yeah. It's the, um, I forget the bay, Aleutian Bay? I don't know what it's called, yeah. but oh, it's on I an inlet it there. Now, yeah. This was, I guess what they said was like north of Anchorage, so I don't know what that could mean. In Wasilla, or maybe as far north as Talkeetna, that but, Northern Exposure but, was based on. But this was a, uh, it was in essence a beach 
right? And here, so here's where the facts are, right? So maybe this is like a normal occurrence. I don't know. But in essence, these were people. This was uh, people on a beach sunbathing and playing on the beach. It just looked like any kind of like tropical, maybe like a Florida beach, except it was Alaska and it was 96 degrees. I mean, okay, maybe Alaska gets hot. I was in Alaska in July of 2003. Well, that was after the climate change, so. Yeah, but it's hot. It was like I was sweating. It was 84 or something. It's hot. Yeah. So it was it a was. freak day. As, I, as like, I anticipated, right? It was an emotional ploy. <laughs> it, I think it may have. That one may have. And there you go. See there, your worst fears come true. Yes. Even I don't believe you. I believe it was manufactured. Yeah. You just damaged the entire cause, right. Brad. And we're just going to keep blindly hurtling forward into the abyss now. You fucked it up. You fucked it up. <laughs> You're making a lot of weird laughter noises tonight. I am. I am. It's, it's just my. It's my way. So did you? How, did you look at the link I sent you though? I did. It's a map of Costa Rica. Right. The rich coast. Okay. Not an island. I just. Right. Yes. I think you were thinking of Honduras or Haiti been. or Dominican Republic or some me, shit. I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Costa Rica is not of, an island. I never knew that. I just always imagined it being. Um, you were thinking of Guatemala, you know. I'll tell you what I was thinking. Let me look at where this we map. invaded. You know, I was in thinking 1986. Of like, I was thinking Costa Rica <laughs> was out there, kind of like in the Philippines. Not in the Philippines. Kind of like around like Cuba. Um. Oh, I know. I knew what you were thinking. Haiti, yeah. Puerto Rico. Yeah. Like, it was one of these islands out there. Mm-hmm. Jamaica. That's where Jamaica is? Yeah, that's weird. I didn't think it's... that's where Jamaica was. I know. Man, I'm such I a don't either. stereotypical American that knows nothing about geography. It's well, horrible. Hey, no, in fairness, though, when you think about... If you just had to conjure up an image of where Jamaica is in the Caribbean, wouldn't you have thought it was like... Maybe just southeast of Dominican Republic. Dominican Republic. Where's Dominican Republic on this? Haiti and Dominican Republic. Just to the okay, east of right Jamaica there, yeah. and Cuba. Wouldn't you have thought it was like just southeast of Haiti I'm and Dominican I'm not going to say where I thought it was because you freaking... Because, I mean, that's not that big a deal. Yeah. I just did a little not bit over. Actually, okay, I'm going to come clean. I'm just going to come clean with my ignorance. You thought it was in the Pacific. I thought it was off the coast of Mexico, but in the Pacific. Wow. No, that is pretty bad. And I don't know actually. why I thought that. I This comes from some like early, very hmm. early memories that I had. Because when I was in elementary school, we did That's go to the Can- shit you hold on we to. We went to Cancun in the wow. Yucatan Peninsula. Did you really? Yeah. Your family? Yeah. And somehow while there, I got the idea that Jamaica was like on the other side. Of Mexico. Now, the the reality is it was probably just, you know, you had to go on the other side of this Yucatan Peninsula and then out into the ocean or something. But somehow I got it in my mind in that trip that Jamaica. Well, well Cancun is on the eastern side of the Yeah, Yucatan, it is on the eastern so. side. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know how I got that misconception. But th- I've been this there misconception. Twice. Do you realize I've been there twice? Jamaica or Cancun? 
Cancun. Cancun. Actually, Cozumel. I guess I've been to Cozumel twice. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Continue. Well, you got it in your head. That's, in your, that's it. I mean, that's why I got it in my head. Your old head. Somehow. And it's it's one of those things. It's difficult to un unknow. Yeah. Even though it's an incorrect no. Well, you know, this is like my first time really looking at a map. So this is very informative for me. I got my Aruba globe time. back in service, Brad. I got my globe out. It's got I the like mountains. A globe. You, you know, I. You can feel the mountains. Yeah. Although, how realistic is that, I wonder? It's not to well, scale. interesting you should say that no, it's because... it's definitely not to scale, because there's a what-if that addresses this issue. Oh, really? Yeah. Def- well, I, I don't even care about to scale relative, as long as it's relative, you know? So mm-hmm. establish, for instance, now that I'm not seven and I'm not stupid anymore, I was looking at the globe, you know, and like looking how gigantic africa really is but then i was like wait now where exactly is uh what's it called see i'm no no better than you kilimanjaro Mm -hmm. highest peak Mm -hmm. on that continent right i knew it was kind of like to the east and in the middle ish um but then i was feeling the um bumps they have of the mountains. And then there's also mountains up in, uh, like, I don't know, Morocco's got a shit ton of mountains. And maybe Algeria has got some. I can just turn around. Hang on. It's right here. What am I doing? I mean, there's mountains all over the place, especially in the north. Yeah, Morocco, Algeria, um, it, Niger has some. Algeria's got a lot, but then you go through, like, Ethiopia's got a shit ton, it's almost all mountains, probably lots of, like, jungle in there, gorillas and shit, but then you go down to, I guess it's, uh, Tanzania, and it's like, you know that Kilimanjaro is 20,000 feet almost, that should be a bigger bump than any of the Algeria or Morocco bumps, and it's like, that's not even close. I think they're way overselling the Algerian and Moroccan Could mountains be. relative to Kilimanjaro on this globe. So yeah, it's just it's like a it's just for play. I I wish that it was accurate. But twenty thousand. Well, so here's what I believe, right? And this could be grossly inaccurate, but this is, you know, this is what we deal in: gross inaccuracies. It's never stopped you before. It's never stopped me before. So, in that what if, you know, that blog written by the author of XKCD, Rand- Randall Monroe. Randall Monroe, which is one of it's one of my favorite things to read, where he tackles these, these science questions. Fantastic. One of them. And I feel like it was the one that had a bunch of Lebowski references that we may have it, even talked about. Well, yeah, that was the moon, right? No, and it was the Earth, I thought. <laughs> Here we go with gross inaccuracy. Well, he looked at the moon, and he had the three C's there. It's like the shapes on the moon. See, what I remember was, the question was, if you, like, used the Earth as a bowling ball. Right, right. Would it? be smooth enough that like it would just like you'd be able to use it with all the mountains and everything it would be too bumpy and too right. weird and so i believe what he determined through his calculations was that 
the earth, if you were to shrink that down to the size of a bowling ball, it would actually be far smoother than the smoothest bowling ball. Far, far smoother. Far, far yes. smoother. Because the, again, the mounds and the topography that we have is like nothing, nothing. compared to like the, the enormity of the earth. And We can't even comprehend the enormity of our own planet, Brad. Yeah, no, very true. Which is what makes it hard with the climate change and everything else. Because we imagine it is just, we just can't understand the scales of it. The same thing with like the atmosphere, for example, which is a fact. You know, I know Al Gore likes to mention this. And I hear other scientists, Neil deGrasse Tyson, Carl Sagan also, you know, repeat this. But the whole idea of the fact that like our atmosphere is like thinner than like the coat of paint on that globe horrifyingly thin yeah so if you think about that that's our whole atmosphere right like it's just that coat of paint like the mountains and shit are nothing compared to that it's awful my dreams are shitty enough now you gotta shove this crap in there i wanted more like like tars like stories or like you were getting jiggy with uh i don't know i did get jiggy with uh wayne coin of the flaming lips that was cool yeah, but did you grind a little bit? You spoon him? Um, didn't quite spoon him. He's a little. He was more freaky than I thought he would be. He's a little freaky, Brad. He's got those giant puppets that, that I don't like. Did yeah. he have any of those? Oh, lots of giant puppets. I love. Oh, I love the giant puppets. I know you're into those but, shits. But I'm not. His whole thing. Yeah, he was a little more. I don't know what it was. There was like a certain level of energy it was like this weird kind of like hippie love aggression i don't know if that makes any sense it was like something no, i've never I quite experienced but there was a little bit of like hmm. something macho-ness macho-ness like it's weird it's not what i would expect well apparently he lives in what Macho downtown Town? well sort of downtown kansas city this same thing we yeah. splitting hairs here no i get yeah and he's out there in his giant hat and boots, like mowing his overgrown KC, grass. Huh? Yeah. So there's the KC. connection. I was just a KC. Mm-hmm. Then I go down to Austin, see Wayne Coyne down there. Yeah. Yeah. They had, um, in addition to the might crazy be following you. puppets and everything else and people Ugh. in suits, they did have a series of. Um, yeah, I guess puppet wasn't the right word for that. Right. It's like people in like these weird inflatable suits. So like giant, it, like. Isn't there a shorter name than people in giant inflatable suits? I don't think isn't there so. like one word you can use for that? Like puppet? But Yeah, it's kind of like they're puppet esque. They're like giant puppets. Yeah. They look like yeah. giant puppets, but they're really like people in inflatable suits. You know, that, so these, they're like these 20. 20 foot high people on stage with him dancing and everything else. We'll call them walking nightmares. That's at least two words. And what they had was in essence, so if you imagine among the state above the stage, um, imagine like a a metal grid then suspended above the stage, covering the whole stage, maybe, you know, 40 feet high or something like that. My, my numbers are way off, right? But whatever, high up there, but then hanging from this, were, Tiny were pigeons, strings Brad. of <laughs> of LED lights. Okay. So now there's this three dimensional grid of LED lights, which were then could be controlled, and they were programmed to create like again these crazy light show type effects and animations, 
except it was in three dimensions. That sounds insane. It was very insane. And all this now, happened above these like 20 foot high dancing puppets. Were there people interacting with the grid and the hanging lights? No, it was they like were out just... of reach. It was just up okay. there. But like you could see it up there. This like crazy, crazy things. So what kind of like visual fuckery did it do to your eyes being in three dimensions and it was you like just that? a lot of fuckery, right? It was just like, imagine, you know, a normal show might have, you know, a, uh, you know, like a, a two-dimensional screen, screen. This was yeah. a three-dimensional. But was it just, I guess my question is, was it just like light patterns or did they make, or did you construe any images in what they, they were doing? Were just did they light form patterns. Okay, just light patterns. But like it's very, they could, sometimes they were very blunt and other times they were incredibly intricate. Inter- intricate. Yeah, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Oh, jeez. Yeah, fuck, man. It's a tough one. <laughs> it is. But, I wasn't joking. No. I knew it sounded stupid after I said it. But, but. they, uh, and then, um, so one so thing So what did Jack did, Dorsey think of that, though? Was he like, I'm out of here? Who? Once they started Jack Dorsey? Um, no, he dug it. Okay. He dug it. Well, I wasn't sure how, which way well, he'd go he on that. he was there because, so I guess the Flaming Lips just released a single with Miley Cyrus. Right, and his buddy's got super, he's trying to, you know, glad hand and they're and all like, oh, that shit. We, we want to see Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus right. is going to jump out of one of those puppets. Out of that tongue, and there's going to be a giant tongue that, like, unravels like right. a fruit roll-up and just bloop. Yeah. It's going to slide down that shit. And so everyone was convinced Miley Cyrus was Who in the puppet. Who doesn't want to see that? But it wasn't, because Miley Cyrus, <sighs> they recorded a song together. But Who are in the Flaming Lips, seriously? Or her and Jack Dorsey. Her and the Flaming Lips. Oh, They okay. actually did a song together. Because I had no idea Jack Dorsey was a musician. They did a cover but of Lucy cool. in the Sky with Diamonds. That sounds horrible. Almost as good as the Styx cover. No way. Don't be silly. You don't, you don't mean that. I, it was actually, it's actually a pretty decent cover, even though that's kind of like a bad, just a bad choice to cover. <laughs> There's a couple things they did with it, I guess, that I kind of appreciate. What I mean is you don't mean it was better than the Sticks version. No, I don't mean that at all. Okay. You're you're just being silly yeah, there. The Sticks well, you? as far as I'm concerned, the Sticks version is now the canonical version. Fuck the Beatles. Definitive Lucy in the Sky. Yeah, it's Sticks. Mm-hmm. It's the it's the post Dennis DeYoung Sticks version. Thank you. But so anyway, Jack Dorsey was covering a Miley Cyrus song? Something with, like that, and it was all a lot of flaming confusion. Flaming Lips? Man, that's a crazy time But at one point, the there. Flaming Lip guy. Wayne Coyne. Wayne Coyne, the actual Flaming Lip. <laughs> he, is, he, is he more of a lower or an upper? He's the, he's the, he's the lower lip. <laughs> he's a little pouty sometimes, he isn't is. he? <laughs> what, in essence... So at one point, uh, I'll mention this and then I'll, I'll move on. But it was definitely a crazy, they definitely created a crazy spiritual like experience. And I'll say one of the things they did during the one song, um, he put this like thing around his neck. This kind of giant white box was hanging on his chest from around his neck. Okay. And they were singing their song. And again, there's lights. 
there's like light show, there's the weird lights in the thing in the thing, there's lights in the background, there's like kind of strobe type lights on the side of the stage. And they're doing their psychedelic flaming lips song. But then when they get to the chorus, which is kind of like this more really kind of heavy-ish, it's slow but heavy, weird, even like up the psychedelicness of it chorus of this song, all the lights go out. And the thing on his chest lights up. And it is bright (laughs) enough to light up the entire theater. We're in the Austin City Limits theater. So from his chest, from him, in essence, he is lighting up the whole thing and it's strobing. You could not even look at it. It was too bright. How does he like like doing this thing, this crazy, weird, psychedelic vocal, whatever. I couldn't even tell what was happening. It instantly moved me into a different state of being. You were like Homer Simpson at the chili cook. off, Kind of, kind of. And and it was like, um. But it did create this effect. Like so, so my first thought it did remind me of it was kind of like Old Testament. Like if you can imagine, like you toiling around in the desert, then all of a sudden like an angel from God shows up or something, right? To pronounce Breaks your something mind immediately. Like that's what this was. Just like okay, <clears throat> the brightest, flamiest, whitest light possible, radiating out. Like there was a person there, and now they're just this light. That's freaking destroying everything around you while it's screaming in some weird tongue. It was it was messed up. It was awesome. Though. Totally awesome. Totally awesome. It was really awesome. Oh, my God. It was so awesome. I doubt anything Wayne Coyne did was as fucked up as what you just did. <laughs> Jesus. So no, that's messed up, man. That's messed up, man. Let's let's talk some Lebowski. <laughs> let's fucking do it, man. After that, after that, I'm ready. What you think? We got to change gears after? No, let's keep going with it. It's good. Gonna... <laughs> no, with the laughter. <laughs> <laughs> That reminds me of something I don't like. I'm not sure what it is. Um, oh, it's uh, oh, it's Krusty the Clown. Oh, Krusty the Clown. Giant clown mouth on the, over your bed. That's what that reminds yes. me of. Don't yeah. let the clown eat me. No, don't let the clown sleep eat or me. The clowns will eat me. <laughs> That's oh, it. It's classic. Classic shit. Okay, so we talked about. Uh, reanimating cuttlefish so we covered that that's good um what else what else do we do we talked about about, i mean we got we covered everything we need to right i think we're ready to wrap it up (laughs) i think you might be right you might be right no there's actually so much to talk about oh you did you look at the i have shit in there i know a lot of it i know you do you wrote all because i watched this and looked up a bunch of stuff on uh Wikipedia and you and uh, Google, and then I come to go into the doc because I was just doing this on my phone. And mm-hmm. I come down, and it's like you already put in everything that I had there. So it was really perfect. everything, pretty much everything I had. You know, all this, all this kind of, you know, Leon Russom. Oh, this guy who played uh, Admiral Todman in Deep Space Nine. Well, here, let's hear. 
Do you want to, here, let's play the minute then. Let's just, I guess we're going to do it. We're not let's, actually going to shut down the episode before we talk about Lebowski. No, I we're going to we talk, about, talk a little bit. about it for maybe 10 or All right. 15 minutes. Okay. Well, do you want to roll it or should I? Um, you roll it. You roll it. You roll it. All right. I'm going to roll it. Uh, here, let me roll it. Shit, Lebowski. I want a fucking lawyer, man. I want Bill Kunstler, man, or Ron Kuby. Mr. Treehorn tells us that he had to eject. Eck, 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 eck. But then there'll be like a little laughter, like. <laughs> I should play some of them for. They're fucking crazy. We could just make a. A bonus track that's just all of the endings of all 118 episodes. It would be uh, it would be like Wayne Coyne shining his brilliantly white god light. God light. <laughs> uh, are we back? We're not Is that back, us being let's back? Be back now? We're back. We're back now. Come on, we're back. We're back. Let's get serious. I mean, that was fine, but we got some shit to do here. I've got to put the work in, Brad. You don't just show up. You got to put the work in. It's not, you don't just like show up and be the Cohen brothers all of a sudden. No, they they put the fucking work yes. in. Yes, they put the decades work in. of work. Even before they ever did Blood Simple, decades of work. Decades of work with their nursery stupid, school, super eight camera. Yeah, kindergarten. Making the stupidest movies you could ever imagine, but they were doing it. They were practicing their craft. So let's do it. I got some shit to cover here. All right, cover it. What do you got? Um, What's first up on deck? Okay, well, I think the first thing right off the bat is, and I'm sorry I can't remember if we mentioned it, but we are in the first instant, and I think we may have mentioned it in the context of the dude's dream sequence, but it's the first... That's not true. The second instance of non-diegetic music... What was the first instance? Man and Me Part 2? Right, cuz it was a dream sequence. Dream sequence, right? Although so they're that establishing was arguably that cuz he had the headphones playing and stuff. Yeah, no, you're right. You're so right. I think that this is been, the first right. cuz even this with the whole Kenny Rogers sound, like yeah. But what's weird is at least so it's not just non-diegetic music, but it's like when it switches to this bizarre cacophony I wasn't even going to get to that yet. I wasn't even going to get to that yet. So you're just talking about the fact that there's like... I just want to close that out. Kenny Rogers Roasters playing there what condition my chicken is in before we even get to the weird... Did he ever (laughs) fucking miss a marketing opportunity with that? Right? 
just stopped in to see what condition my chicken's in? <laughs> oh my god. Kenny Rogers, they would still be a thing now. Instead, they're done. Brad, god. this shit is easy. They should have fucking put us on the case of that one. We had it. You could have, you know, you say you don't just show up, but sometimes you just show up <laughs> with that. That's do. pure fucking gold. <laughs> sometimes you do just show up, don't you? Forget everything I said. We're done. <laughs> Anyway, dream sequence. So what? That's how they're getting away with it? But the thing is, coming out of this one, they don't show him with headphones on, listening to music or whatever. Right. No, you Like, I don't think when he gets arrested and is in the cop car, they were playing what condition my condition was in, in the cruiser. Right. Well, at that point, they moved on from that, though, until the weird... Right. Ja- I don't know what it is. Jazzy, cacophony, dream well, music. All right, so we are moving on to that. That's fine. So here's the thing. What I started wondering, like, because I found a video, and it's an interview, not an interview. It's like a panel discussion hosted by Alec Baldwin. Yeah. With um, <clears throat> this neuroscientist and Carter Burwell and the Coen brothers. And Carter Burwell did the score for the Big Lebowski. Right. So I got to thinking, Brad. All of the music we've heard so far has been diegetic. It's been songs that we like songs that other people have made. I'm like, score. What score did he do? I think this weird cacophony of music is something he created. I think he did this. This is part of his score that he made. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Is there any? There's no. What other scoring is there? There's one other, and I never knew it. It's in a future minute, so I don't know if I okay. should mention it or save okay. it. Save it. Fuck it. Fe- All right. <laughs> Shoot it. Just, just yeah. do it. Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. I got it, because this one, I can't confirm this one, but the next one, he's got a credit. If you look up, uh, I I don't know. I think I may have put a link here, but he he's credited for a song. It's called, like, Dick Takes a Break or Dick on the Job or something like that. And it's when the dude, after he sleeps with Maud, and he calls Walter, and Walter picks him up, he goes out there, and he sees Dufino, there's this weird, like, music playing. Okay. Which is diegetic, because it transitions into, oh, Dufino's just out there in his VW Bug, listening to the radio. But that song, Dick on the Moon, or whatever it is. Is credited to Carter Burwell. So he wrote that. That's one. interesting. It is. It's interesting and, that, like, they couldn't just use some, they didn't, like, plumb the depths. They've done the entire movie with other people's songs, except for this weird cacophony, and yet they couldn't find, you know, a, like, Girl from Ipanema. That could be playing. That would have right. done the same thing, right? But no, they had to make Carter Burwell write and compose and perform a new piece of music why were they out of budget on their <laughs> i mean they have like 40 songs weird right it is weird well they you know in their in their quest to find the, just the perfect song for that scene they couldn't find it well they here's the thing it. they talked about this um it was fascinating because at the start of this uh panel discussion they played the opening of 2001 a Space Odyssey with the uh, iconic da 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 
da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
It's kind of like the word the. If you look up the word the in the dictionary, or like the word to, T-O, like and counterintuitively, it'll have the most definitions. <laughs> right, right, right. So like Tom Cruise won't have the most IMDb entries in movies he's been in. Because he doesn't have to work that hard. He can do one movie every every two years and make 20 mil. This guy, he puts the work in, Brad. Yeah, he's been in everything. Everything. For instance, I don't know if you read this. Leon Rusum, chief of police in Malibu, was in the 1972 film. Right. <laughs> I just can't get over it. The Trial of the Catonsville Nine. So is the Cantonsville Nine, is that a Cat- true story? Yes. Okay. Now, this, which is why I put this thing in parentheses, this parenthetical at the end of it. The Cattonsville Nine trial. <laughs> Brad, I can't take it. The Cattonsville Nine trial mm-hmm. was a case that was defended by... Bill Kunstler. Bill Kunstler, who is also mentioned. I know my rights, man. I want my lawyer. I want Bill Kunstler or Ron Kuby. <laughs> the dude's all fucked up and he, because he knows he was a part of the Seattle 7. Right. And he needs a lawyer who is interested in civil rights and will take the unpopular case and, like, defend... The unpopular choice. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. Bill Kunstler defended some of the people who were accused of whatever, inflaming or starting even some of the riots in Chicago at the Democratic National Convention in 1968. Right, yes. He defended one of the World Trade Center bombers or something, defended the blind sheik. Defended some of the prisoners from Attica who were accused of, I guess, killing a prison yeah, guard. He like he was a riot in Attica. Right. Yeah. And he's defending all these yeah, people. Black Panther Party, Weather Underground. Right. Malcolm X's daughter. So he was not afraid of taking, you know, I don't know, just getting dirty with it. Right. And so the dude's like, I need somebody who's not a part of the square community to really understand my situation here what condition my chickens in but the fact that the chief of police of malibu the actor leon rusum appeared in that movie as the quote-unquote defense attorney in which case would have been bill gunsler jeez although they didn't call him i'm sorry no no That is not, it's not the guy. It's David Spielberg who played defense attorney. Oh, okay. In that TV movie. Okay, yeah. Who also was in Star Trek. He played But who was also in Star Trek. Yes, it was the Star Trek connection. He played Hutch. Yes, he was Hutch. Cool character. Commander Hutchinson. Awesome character. Fucking awesome character. I don't know that character Lots at all. Lots of uh, comic relief, he and Data, in their <laughs> repertoire. And then, tragically, am I remembering this right? I believe so. So here's this thing 
here's this Hutch. He's kind of this comical character. He and Data are doing this thing back and forth. It's very humorous. Oh, I thought you were joking. It actually was humorous. It was humorous. Oh. It was very humorous. It was a very Star Trek Next Generation comic relief type guy. So this Hutch is throwing like this dinner party for the... Sometimes, that shit could go either way sometimes. Yeah, he's throwing this dinner party for the crew of the Enterprise, like the officers, because they came to visit his like space station or whatever. And he's like, you know, always throws these elaborate dinner parties. That's what he's known for. But he's also like this insufferable type of small talker, talks your ear off, tells these stories type guy. So, you know, Riker kind of six data on him. You know, and there they are going back and forth, doing like kind of like small talking each other to death. Right. Kind of like. uh um. Yes, kind of like some things you've done before. I'll say with people, where you try to out people the people. I would just say it. I can't think of it. What any details are? Really? Yeah, I'm, I'm really. Do you want me to say it? Did Did we talk about this? I'm sure we did because we've talked about it all, motherfucker. We've talked about it all. Like, all we do. Here's an idea for a podcast. Let's talk about the same thing over and over again. Let's talk about something and then talk about it again for the second half. No, but I I was crazy. Let's do it. Oh, shit. We've already done it. And we've called it gutter balls. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because I was just talking about when I out someone, someone like five days ago. Yes. I was like, I want to talk about that. But I don't remember if I actually did. Sometimes I talk about things in my head. Yeah, I think you just talked sometimes about Sometimes to other head. people. And sometimes here. And sometimes here, but we're not recording. But So did we or didn't we? I'm pretty sure we didn't. I have no recollection of this. I out Dan McBride and Dan McBride. The uh, I, just, I just said it. The director, or whatever he is, the comedian. Eastbound and down. Yeah. Yeah. That's him. So he used to come and... You know, once you saw him, if you were walking down the street, then he'd hang out with you for a long time. It didn't matter where he was going. He would just be with you then for hours, hanging out. Hey, we're hanging out. This went on for a long time. And one day I was like, you know what? I'll hang out. Let's hang out. So I'm walking down the sidewalk. Normally you cross the other side, try to hide. I'm like, no. I just went up in that shit. Hey, what's up, man? What are you doing? Nothing. Want to hang? Yeah, we're hanging out. Hung out, went to the coffee shop, went to the diner, probably went and got dinner, went back to his apartment, hung out there, sat on the couch, probably seven or eight hours. I think he went to bed and I just was still sitting on his couch, hanging out, maybe watching TV or something, or possibly sitting there in the dark. Did that two more times. (laughs) And then we were all walking down the street one time. And there he came. And I remember I hadn't told anybody about this. Everybody in the group got that look deer in the headlights look because there he was. He was coming and we were going to spend the next six hours hanging out with him. But instead, he walked past, kept his head down, said, hey, guys, what's up? And kept going as fast as he could pedaling off into the distance it was my crowning achievement i think hardcore 
social hackery there. Yeah. So, yeah, so they did the I'm same thing in this Star Trek episode. They Except learned it from they me. killed him. Well, that might be going a little far. They're having a freaking comic relief thing that goes on for multiple segments. Then all of a sudden the bad guys show up in a big surprise. Oh, and they, oh, they shoot him in the chest. He's dead. See, I actually, like, I didn't kill anybody. I just hung out with right, him. Right, right. That's horrible. Is that like a little surprise, like a god light? It was a little god light. Without a doubt. Little god lights and big god lights. The world's full of them, Brad. Yep. You never know what size they're going to be. No. But you know they're going to be bright. That would make a good uh, Flaming Lips song. <laughs> I think it is a Flaming Lips song. Yes. They just, you know, ripped off Mercury Rev anyway, man. That's what people say. I don't hear it. I don't hear it at all. Like even close. One of our friends said that. Yeah, I've heard. Like, I've heard people say what? that. I've heard. I've heard that. I do not get it at all. I'm like, okay, because they're alternative rock. They let. What's the? Yeah. So D- David Darst is who. Leon Rusum played in The Trial of the Catonsville Nine, and it wasn't the TV movie, it was the legitimate movie, which came out first. So, Leon Rusum and David Spiel... Leon Rusum plays the chief of police in Malibu, and he is in The Trial of the Catonsville Nine, playing David Darst, and David Spielberg plays Bill Kunstler in The Trial of the Catonsville Nine. Both in... Both in Star Trek. Both in Star Trek, but they were both in the same legitimate movie. Yes. Legitimate theater. Right. Moving theater. Okay. Yes. You start going down these these paths and you never know what kind of characters you're gonna meet. That can exist, you know, that they have to all start filling up all the boards, the switchboards lit up. You know? In a three dimensional crazy ass grid like light show. Leon Rusum also played another lawman for the Coen brothers in True Grit. He was the, wait for it, sheriff. Uh, of Malibu. Mm-hmm. Well, in True Grit, were they in Malibu? Were they at, Weren't they maybe. in Malibu? Was that the, was it, I guess that was the beach. It was kind of like the beach without water. Planet so Crouton. De- trying to get to Malibu. It's a great Beastie Boys album. Vice Admiral Todman was a Starfleet flag officer assigned to Starfleet Security Service Branch. In 2371, he instructed Deep Space Nine Commander Benjamin Sisko to put the USS Defiant on alert in case of a Jem'Hadar attack. Following the launch of the Obsidian Order Tal Shiar invasion of the Gamma Quadrant. Kilimanjaro. Hey, we're over an hour in. It's pretty good. Pretty, Pretty fucking good. good. Let's laugh weird now. <laughs> Yours is worse. Yours is worse. So what? What? So we so we got the connections here. We got the the sheriff. Yeah, there's no meaning. I guess we got but, you the know. Uh, you know what is the, you know we got this weird mothers of invention jazz rock music uh-huh, uh-huh. going on. There's, uh, what else is going on, though? 
Well, we got a little bit. Kunstler and Ron Kuby. Ron Kuby. Ron Kuby. Nice moment by Jeff Bridges there. You, we've all felt that way at some times, where it's like the best you can do to say a thing like Ron Kuby is go like Ron Kuby because you can you're barely holding on at this point. Um, you know what else we got going on? What's that? We got going on this. Uh, the character of Uli originated on the set of Fargo, as Peter Stormare would often speak in a faux German accent. Uh, okay. This came from, oh, we got the link here, but 50 things you, you know, it's a stupid whatever, clickbait shit, but like 50 things you quote unquote or parenthesis, unparenthesis, parenthesis, parenthesis, didn't know about the Big Lebowski. So I think two of them were surprises. And one was this uh, faux German accent that Peter Stormare would do. I also found the Steve Buscemi handbook. Everything you need to know about Steve Buscemi. This is a book. You can buy it for $9.99. Nice. Is this like a uh, Amazon publish-on-demand type thing? Or... I really have no idea. It's by Emily Smith. Emily? Emily Smith. But this is where I got... Okay, it's Dick on a Case. Dick. Written and performed by Carter Burwell. Dick on a Case. Yeah. And again, I'm assuming that's when DeFino's out in his car and that weird music comes in. Which should be Girl from Ipanema, but it's not. It's Dick on a Case. Written and performed by Carter Burwell. So we got that. We have, uh, my internet has been walky. Walky. Walky? I hate when it's walky. Yeah. It's, it's taking its time, but it's, it's leaving. It's moving around slowly. What else? Um, it's daytime. It's daytime, Brad. How about that? Okay. I'm, I'm listening. This is very difficult, but I... It you, you can't see it because it's right when the dude has his little, and he's got a nice little verbal audio transition that he does because he's singing the theme song to Branded. Yes. Branded! But there's like a little extra guttural thing he does after saying the word Branded just for a split second. Branded! It's like a little, I don't know, just a throat noise he makes. And it cuts, it smash cuts. There's no L cut. They don't overlap audio or anything. Cuts to him getting slammed into the chief of police's office and, like, kind of smashing down on the chief's desk. Yes. Maybe knock something off. Yes. I'm not quite sure, but it sounds like something goes rolling. Yeah. It's a good transition. Good transition. Solid. Solid. And there's two little yells. One of the cops yells like, like grunts as he throws him. And then the dude kind of as he hits the desk. So it goes from it's like it's another three for a three for like grunt yelling transition that kind of like puts a little emphasis on that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Which is nice. It's nice. That's all. But and it happens right at the like climax of the song too. He was And this okay. 
and it's daytime. And it's daytime. So in that shot here, I'll, I I have it on my phone. I you was mean able to the pause shot it. Where he's like slamming into the desk. It's right. It's right when you cut to this scene. The door is open. The cop is shoving him. You can see in the okay, background there's like, there yeah, are there's like a split slits of light. Of, of there's light back there. There's a light, and it's coming through the blinds. They do the classic thing where you can see the blinds with the light, and it's, to me at least, clearly daylight. Uh, but also, even in the background, like out in the hallway, that's just friggin' daylight. And if you really look at it, the window behind the chief of police, like there's sunlight, or what's supposed to be sunlight, kind of dappling the plants. Yeah, the stuff behind the chief of police. I guess you're right. Yeah, I mean, because I always, yeah. I always kind of saw like I think a negative image of what's there. Because I always looked like, oh, well, it's dark out, but then there's like three hanging plants or something like that. Right. Exactly. But it's not that at all. Thing. Those are like Mm-mm. it's dark because there's like shrubs there or whatever, and then the light part is actually the light. Right. The sunlight. I mean, it's not really, but I mean, you can see behind the police chief there, there's like buildings that are illuminated. Like there's a sky. The sky is still black. I don't see a sky. I mean, I will say that the room, like the hallway that you only see for a split second is incredibly brightly illuminated. And it seems like... Daylight. The quality of the light does seem like daylight. But well, and also think about this: like the chief of police is there, sitting at his desk. Well, I have thought about that. Even watching you can, this you can movie, hear, you can hear office sounds and phones ringing and general this, like yeah. commotion and hubbub in the background. Mm-hmm. Well, and you could make you know an original. I was thinking, well, maybe this is one of this thing where it's like he's just been out all night, and now it's like seven thirty a.m. You know, people are coming in for work or something like that. It's early in the morning. But really, in the next shot, it's still dark out. He's in a taxi cab. Yes. So it is kind of strange. It's perplexing. There's a lot of perplexment here. The dude's like it doesn't only matter. identification is a Ralph's club card. <laughs> is this your only ID? He's so disgusted by it. Yeah. It's kind of like, again, it's like... Being in front of the titular Lebowski, right? We have another... Mm-hmm. Um, another blowhard authority figure. Yeah, giving him shit, right? Is mm-hmm. this your only ID? And then, uh, um, you know, he looks at the... Uh, <laughs> he pulls out the little uh, treehorn stationery. Yeah. With the eloquent drawing of the man with the large penis. He was probably giving the dude too much credit on some level, thinking that he had scribbled that little cartoon mm-hmm. right i mean it's pornographic and it's whatever juvenile and weird and stupid but it's still a decent cartoon from a kilroy was here oh, yeah definitely. sort of perspective no yeah we we waxed about but then, how, uh, how, how well that drawing was for a squiggle oh we waxed we waxed we waxed we waned yep we wax we wane. We wax. We wane. We don't stop. We, we don't. We wane coin. I wax coin. I wang chunk. 
But it's folded all neatly, Brad. Oh, shit. He crumples it when he rips it off of the pad. Oh, shit, Liz, look at how, what, just in half and then half again, nice and neat, so it fits it. Nope. He crumples it. I didn't put this one in here. I kept that one as a little surprise. Yeah, no, you're right about that. Look how neatly folded it is. Yeah, does it come out of his wallet? Yeah. I think those are the only two, two, two things, things in his wallet. wallet. Oh. But, you know, you didn't want it to be all crumpled up. You wanted to get a nice shot of it. Right. Oh, they did some compositing trickery visually when the dude is running down the street, too, and the cop car comes up behind mm-hmm. him. That's shot on a green screen. Oh. Dude was on a green screen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think maybe we mentioned it briefly. Maybe not. I don't remember. But, like, just practically, they wouldn't have the dude out in the middle of the street with the cars so, like, dangerously close to him, whizzing by in the other direction. And then the red and blue flashing lights from the cop car don't illuminate the dude until, like, it's right on top of him, and that's unnatural. And it's just, you can tell the hard edges around him, and the lighting is a little off. It's just a little off. Right. And like, like the te- yeah. texture of the background doesn't quite match, you know, it's like, yeah. But whatever, you're still half in dream sequence land, so doesn't matter. It's fine. But it's just like, the dude didn't, or Jeff Bridges, I mean, didn't have to go out <laughs> right. to any of these locations. He was just on a soundstage for all of this. Because imagine the expense of it for, like, this shot, this one shot. And they're going to, like, get the cop car, get Jeff Bridges. They got to have his stunt double. They got to have his handler. It requires a whole big ordeal if you're going to take Jeff Bridges out into whatever, the hills of L.A. or up to Malibu and run down a street with a cop car. You're going to be there all night. It's going to be an entire day of production to do that. Eh, shoot him on a green screen. Send the second unit out and shoot some footage of a cop car rolling up to the camera on the back of a truck. Much easier. Yes, let's do that. He's already here with a green screen anyway. Two birds, one stone. Yeah, and the whole, well, the whole also, because there's a transition from him in the dream world to the real world also, which granted they could have done other ways. The transition being just, just this, these two shots. Right. Well, they do a thing where it kind of fades to black for a second and continues on. Right, right. Which is actually probably helps you understand, because even the shot previously where the dude is running and then there's the three guy, the the nihilists with the scissors behind him. Like, that's composited strangely, too. Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of like, okay, we just get him running, and then we're going to fade in different backgrounds. First nihilists, and then cars. And that's fine. Oh, ain't nothing wrong with that. Mm-mm. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. So we got anything left? We tapped out. Um, I mean, we didn't get into Ron Kuby. He's still a 
a practicing attorney. I guess but, it seems like he has a lot of like media stuff. Like he does this show with like he had a radio Sliwa show and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Curtis Sliwa. Yeah, Carolee, whatever her name was. Ah, uh, Carolee. Uh, uh, I don't know, man. Uh, well, whatever. All right. Naked art is inspiration for Maud. It's just a, I saw that too. But she would sling herself up in some kind of naked harness and like do her art. Right, right. That's one of the influences for her. Just a lot of people, just a lot of crazy people hanging out on that fucking poop deck. Next time on Gutter Mr. Treehorn treats objects like women, man.